Welcome to No Things Considered. My name is Tim Young. You know how it goes. If you like the show, like, share, and subscribe it. Thanks for listening today. Today I have probably one of the biggest current White House correspondents and somebody who I think is also a rising star at the same time, Chanel Rion with me from One America News. And I want to get to that interview in a second. Uh, before that, though, I just want to tout her career. I, I, I say this over and over again in the podcast, but I, I think she is who little girls should look up to. And I think she's somebody who is a great example of a good journalist, somebody who's hardworking, somebody who's very respectable, classy, intelligent, everything you want uh, from somebody you want to listen to and, and pay attention to really in the media. And so I'm really glad that I got to have her on today. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. My name's Tim Young. This is the No Things Considered podcast, and I'm here with Chanel Rion from uh, One American News. By the way, I just want to say, how many people get your name wrong? How many people call you Chanel Ryan? Uh, a lot, actually, but they also get my first name wrong, which is funny. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll be called Channel sometimes. and Channel Ryan? Now, wait, like, all kinds of ways that people can't figure out how to say my name. <laughs> I mean, I knew Chanel because I'm a little bit classy, and I've dated some women who spend lots of money on handbags. Yes. But, uh, but Rion, I actually I did look it up. Uh, uh, because I always thought, so I, I am friends with one of your old colleagues, Neil McCabe, who loves you. Love and, McCabe. Uh, we miss him and he is on deployment, but we need him to come back. Uh, you, you should get him back there. He's a fantastic journalist. But when he would say your name, he always would say real like this, like very like, and I always thought, oh, he's just, he's just doing a thing. You know how you call it Tarjay. But then I found out. I watched it. You can't put that past Neil McCabe. Um, he is a Bostonian at his core, and he will mock anything that sounds Frenchy or remotely Frenchy. Uh, my name. So I, I was born Ryan, R-Y-A-N. So you pronounce it Ryan. But then I found out that the original spelling of it was Rion, R-I-O-N. It's a Scots-German alliterate. Like I have Scots-German roots on my American side. My mom's Korean, but... Um, we have, uh, when I found that out, I thought, oh, that's really neat. It would match my name and it kind of sounds French. And I took that on as my pen name years oh. ago, years and years ago, um, as the classical spelling of our family name. And uh, then I just took it into broadcasting. That's not like a, a sag after union name, is it? No. So my, my sag You catch me there. I, I say that for a reason. Are you in the, are you in the union? I, I'm never, I'm not in any kind of any kind of that sort. I had to do it for um, some acting stuff and then for TV, TV news. Um, and so you have to pick a name. And Tim Young is a very, very common name. And so for a long time, my name was Tim Edward Young, which is my middle name. That just sounds stupid. So I paid $29.99 to become a lord in England. And my official SAG after union acting name that they have to credit me for on anything I do is Lord Timothy Young. Lord Timothy Young. Well, Lord Young, I am so happy to be joining you right now. It's what it, an honor. It is your pleasure. Uh, listen, <laughs> I want to talk about you and your career because I, on a recent podcast, I declared myself a uh, nine to five feminist, like nine to five, like the Dolly Parton song. Because the thing is, in the seventies and eighties, like you want you wanted to help promote smart women, get them in the workforce, get them in like certain leadership positions by their own work, not just because they're a woman, not just because of demographics. And feminism has now turned into this, you have to say that a 400 pound woman in a bikini who screams that she's a slut uh, is uh, you know, powerful and sexy and yada yada. I don't know where it went and went off the rails. You are one of the examples of 
the, the good side of feminism and who I cheer for as far as women go. And, and feminism has been a ruined word, by the way, uh, by, by the left, totally. Yes. Um, because I watched you become a national star in the Trump White House when the White House press corps kind of kept you out of the room and you just kept showing up and barging in. And I want you to, to kind of talk about your experience with that because I was cheering you on. I think most of America started cheering you on, uh, at least those at least 75 million Trump voters were cheering you on when you walked in the room and started forcing yourself in there like an old school journalist. And that was so badass. Tell us about like, that process <laughs> and what that was like. Well, maybe maybe the, the the object you should probably follow on Twitter is Chanel's chair because Chanel's chair came in with me every single day that we had those briefings. And uh, it was it was amazing to be surrounded by a demographic of people who claim and profess to be all inclusive, all about women, all about promoting women in the workforce or doing, uh, they have these, these, these metal words, these championship words that they try and use as a way to elevate themselves morally. They say, we support women, we support um, diversity, we support minorities. It was, that was the year actually under the Trump administration where, where they would use their moral high ground to contrast themselves against the Trump administration, portraying the Trump administration as racist. Well, the reality was that they were actually, uh, they were projecting onto the Trump White House everything that they actually were at the, were at their core. They were bullies. They were uh, they were not inclusive. They were the opposite of inclusive. They were elites. They were very elite in the fact that they were part of this club called the White House Press Corps, and they decide what kinds of questions are asked of the president. They decide who gets to sit in which chair. They decide who has a tent on the North Lawn. And the more I encountered the resistance of their, their, the spirit of their resistance against me or against OEN or against any diversity of viewpoint that just didn't match with theirs, the more I started doing my homework on it and I realized the press corps is nothing. They are a private organization that operates at the White House and they have no they have no real authority to operate the way that they do. And so when I thought, well, what are they going to do to me if I walk in and I if I'm not part of their club, why do I have to follow their rules? Because if they're leaving me out of it, then I have no obligation to follow their arbitrary guidelines. And so I didn't. But key to that uh, key to that episode or key to that chapter of being in the briefing room was the fact that the White House itself invited me to be a guest of theirs in the briefing room. And the press corps just went nuts about that. And they, they, they couldn't stand the fact that, that there would possibly be a voice in there that they didn't control. And so it was, a, it was an amazing year. The more they shot at me, the more I prevailed over them. And it was just a glorious year in which to exercise exercise a voice that was just different from what was being repeated over and over and over again in the corporate media world. I mean, it's, it's crazy because you really are, I mean, you're, you're not far off from what I think most of America, uh, most of America's viewpoints, and you're just asking questions there, but that is such a threat to everyone in that newsroom. And it's just shocking to me, the treatment of you and what they did there. Didn't they even leave a note on your desk at one point? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I asked about I, I 
I pretty much accused the press corps of being, uh, of repeating the exact propaganda that was being pushed by the Communist Party in China. And I asked this in the briefing, right? I asked the president, like, how do you feel about the fact that these the, this press briefing room is has exclusive access to your team and they're pretty much repeating Chinese prom- communist propaganda and the propaganda of America's enemies. I asked that question and I was berated by for it. Uh, that's where they left a nasty anonymous note on my desk saying, how do you think a question like that helps the pandemic? Um, from there, they they removed, removed our seat. They targeted OAN and said, we're taking your seat away and we're going to give it to other people other networks and it was uh, it was interesting to watch their subtle retaliation they put they put um when when i was relieved of my seat by the white house correspondence association i was personally i told the white house i said hey i still need access to the white house i'm not allowed to allowed to sit in the briefing room anymore according to the white house press corps uh is there a way around this and can i maybe just get more interviews with the administration or whatnot. They started inviting me into the room every day. And when that happened, the press corps got so upset, they tried to tell, they tried to get in my face and tell me I wasn't supposed to be there. I told them, this is a public room. This is America's White House. This is not your White House. And they started doing things like taping off little sections that I was allowed to stand in, in the room, or taking my poor little wooden chair and my foldable wooden chair, taping it up and sabotaging uh, equipment at our, at our desk downstairs. So it was very puerile. It was very um, juvenile. We had episodes where we're still dealing with it today. Our internet, we have every tent has individual internet lines and they would start cutting our internet. We don't know who it was. It was just members of the press. Um, so we've had we've had funny episodes of abuse in retaliation just because they don't want us there. They being uh, the White House press corps, and uh, I'm I'm not saying that all of them are bad. I've had I've started to build relationships with a handful of them, and there are some decent people in there. But there's also this this huge network of people who absolutely believe that they are the voice of America even though they, the vast majority of them represent only one political side. And it's amazing to watch that arrogance play out day after day after day. Oh yeah, no, I, um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but in 2010 and 2011, I was the young member chair of the National Press Club. So I represented all media under 35. And I could tell you all that stuff about you. You should have called me. I could have, t- I could have warned you about all these uh, a-holes <laughs> you were gonna deal with. I mean, that's- I should have. I was homeschooled all my life, so I never understood what people meant when they said, you know, high school culture and how mean it is. And I joke with my family now. I I said, well, you deprived me of the bullies of high school, but now I'm getting to experience them at the White House. It's ridiculous. And what's amazing to me, too, is that the White House press corps was supposed to be, you know, pro-woman, yada, yada, and all this stuff. They're okay with the Playboy reporter being there, who I'm not even sure why the Playboy reporter has White House press credentials, but they have a problem with you. That just kind of doesn't add up to me. I mean, it, it's I thought porn was bad, like exploiting women was bad, and that's what Playboy came from, and that's okay. <laughs> 
there's a there's a there's a lot of issues that the press corps, I think, the White House Correspondents Association has to contend with. And uh, as far as Brian Karam, by the way, the Playboy reporter, the WCA has kicked him out of their little club. Recently. Oh, they did because he wasn't following their rules. And um, and in a way, we 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 find each other, the reporters who don't follow the rules, we kind of find each other and we kind of commiserate sometimes. And it's it's it, you should have Brian on your show, too. He's a lot of fun. Wait, really? He's yeah, cool? he, should. he is a raging. Well, we you will not believe, you will not agree with him on a single thing politically, but he is a lot of fun. But he tried to pick a fight with Gorka, didn't he? That one day, wasn't that? Okay, that was a knock. I think that was a knockdown, dragout fight. He's a <laughs> rambunctious guy. <laughs> and so, oh, social media day. It was. Uh, I remember it was a uh, like social media day, influencer day at the White House. And guess which one of us wasn't invited to that? Apparently, not influential enough. I only lived a mile away from. The place you're no, you're not influential enough. No. Not not good enough. Uh, I, I know our time. Not enough for a seat either. So you know we're we're in a similar club. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm I get it. We're like we're like the cool losers. It's fine. You can you can always sit at my table, Sean. Uh, <laughs> listen, what if you're giving advice? By the way, I was just invited today. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this publicly, but apparently I'm going to be speaking the keynote speaker on the first night of the National Review Institute's uh, conference for young people coming up in July. Congratulations. Uh, I. I don't, I'm going to influence kids now. You picked out a hat that you'll be wearing? I, I'm going to have a nice jersey on. Actually, the last time I spoke at Leadership Institute, I wore a jersey and everyone kind of gasped when I walked in and I'm like, what? I work for myself here. I don't care. What are you going to continue to not hire me? That's fine. Um, <laughs> talking to young people, because I really do think, and, and so I've done ranty podcasts about lots of things. I like to weigh in on women's issues because that's what I do. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a misogynist, it's fine. I understand. I, I can. I can admit it. There are a lot of kids that think that they're influencers because they put bikini pictures on the internet and shove a gun in them. Um, that is you became an influencer again, nine to five feminism by working hard, by being a boss, and you don't exploit yourself in that way. And I just wanted to get your opinion on on influencers and what you would tell young women who want to get into journalism and do what you do because. I think there need to be more versions of you and less versions of bikini with a gun in it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Well, um, I don't know if I'm qualified to give advice on that front, but my approach has always been, I mean, you have to be passionate about your topic. And what I do see a lot of is uh, influence, it, people who want to be influencers will they want to do so for the wrong reasons, right? There's different, mo everyone has a motive, right? And if you go into a, a, a venture or you go into something with the wrong motives, you're not going to go as nearly as far as if uh, from the, from the situations in which you are purely passionate about the topic you are involved in. And if you are throwing a bikini on and, you know, putting on, you know, sticking guns in every crevice you can find, I mean, that's not, that's that's a desire for attention that doesn't necessarily mesh with, say, being a social like being a topical influencer, for example. And in my case, I can speak from the perspective of just being in the news or reporting on what's happening in daily life from the White House. Uh, you know, posing, you know, exploiting oneself is not exactly serving the purpose of my goal, which is to provide information and to ask hard questions. 
that you need to mesh your goals with your motives. And if you are diving into the news because you want to be on camera, that's not exactly going to serve the purpose of the everyday American who needs information. We don't care that you want to be on camera. We don't necessarily care that you're beautiful or exceptionally handsome. If that's the case, go to Hollywood, go I, act. I care that I'm exceptionally handsome. Thank you. Well, the hats help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but, the Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Now, now, again, it goes back to motive. You have to be purely motivated. You have to be someone who's actually passionate about the topic because I see way too many talents or at least influencers who are really just in just thriving trying to be influencers on the adrenaline of attention and i it's it can serve a purpose i see people succeeding in that motivation all the time but are you going to actually affect long-term change or actually be someone who is going to be someone of substance 10 15 years 20 years down the road i don't know but it goes back to, are you really doing this because you love politics or you love news or you want to convey information? Or are you doing this because you want people to like your Instagram post and admire your body? I, that's a question I think that needs to be asked of, of everyone who's trying to be an influencer. Yeah, it's, it, and it's something that needs to be addressed, I think, just across uh, all conservative platforms. I see a lot of people getting jobs based on those things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We need brilliant, what? It's like, Tim, like the, um, remember there was a period of time where you had these rock bands who realized all of a sudden that they had an audience or they, they had an avenue to fame by appealing to the evangelical crowd. And so suddenly you had all of these raucous, raucous rock bands suddenly claiming that they were Christians so that they could become famous. And then once they became famous, they reverted back to their old ways. And I think posers like that ultimately do themselves in, in the long run. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and that's that's why I love uh, presenting someone like you and, and pushing you uh, all over the place, because I, I really, I, I think you're, pro you probably don't realize this and I get it because of just how you present yourself and how hard you work. I don't think you realize how much of an example you are and how much really of, um, a superstar you are now and where you'll go in the future. And it's, it's just been intriguing to watch your career and watch you explode. And uh, I think, honestly, I think a lot of those networks are probably getting friendlier with you and people are getting friendlier with you because they realize your value. And I don't doubt that someone tries to buy you out of one American news in, in the uh, next few years. I mean, you are, you're up there with uh, the best right now and, uh, and you've earned it. And I think that's awesome. So All right, thank, that's you. Your thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chanel Rion, thanks for joining me today, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. I know we had some trouble trouble with the live stream on Facebook, but I will get it back up there pretty soon. This is No Thanks Considered. I'm Tim Young. That's Chanel Rion. Uh, be better people. Talk to you soon. Bye. Tim. If you like that podcast, like, share, subscribe. Make sure you guys get all your friends to share this along as well. I'm not grifting for money. I'm grifting for follows. You know the game. You're listening to No Things Considered. This is Tim Young. I'll see you soon.